Who's ready for a word today? All right, open up your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 14. 1 Samuel chapter 14. We're going to read a story here, first six verses, about a man named Jonathan. Jonathan is the son of the king, first king in Israel, King Saul. We know Saul was not a good king. David became the next king, Saul, and Jonathan became the best of friends. But this is a very incredible story that really focuses on something in the life of Jonathan that frankly has been a lesson for me in my walk of faith over the years with God that I absolutely treasure, and I pray that it blesses you today. I believe that a lot of people are in or will be in situations where you can relate to something that Jonathan is going through here. So let's read verse 1. It happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. And then Achiah, the son of Akitub, don't you love pronouncing Hebrew names? Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an ephod. We'll come back to that in a minute. The people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes, which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. The name of one was Bozes and the name of the other was Seneth. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash and the other southward opposite Gibeah. And then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask you today to nourish us with the bread of life. God, we are not capable of receiving nourishment for our soul from any work of man, and we are dependent fully upon you today to feed us, to speak to us, and to nourish us. We are hungry and we are thirsty, God, and so we come to you that we may be filled. We know and declare in faith that you say those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. And so we are here open and ready to receive today. Let the word and the seed that falls not fall on bad soil, but just till and prepare the soil of everyone's heart that the seed that's scattered today may take root and begin to bear an abundant harvest in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would just bless me, speak through me, anoint me. I can't do this without you, God. There's no way I could speak anything of transformational value to people apart from you using me. Holy Spirit, would you just speak through me today? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Wow, I love this story. It's always been one of my favorites. In fact, uh, I actually, this, this is a tattoo I have all down my arm was of this particular 
story right here because it's impacted me so much. And what's happening here is Jonathan is in the camp with the warriors, and frankly, the Philistine army has surrounded them and pinned them down. The Israelite forces, have, it says that the Philistines have come out from three directions and surrounded God's people. Now, if you go back into chapter 13 preceding this, you'll find that Jonathan, he's a little chippy. And I like chippy people. I don't know about you. But he gets a little agitated. It says that Jonathan went out and attacked one of the Philistine garrisons. So he went out and he attacked one of these outposts where the Philistines were at. And then it says that the, basically the Philistines got really ticked off. And they came out with all their forces. They sent reinforcements. And they've surrounded God's people from all directions and they're in this place now where basically the enemy is occupying territory that rightfully belongs to God's people. They're intimidating God's people. They've pinned them down, and it seemingly is a situation where they are stuck. There's no way out except through a fight, and some kind of a shift needs to happen because they are severely by the thousands outnumbered. Now I want to ask you a question today. Have you ever been in a situation where you feel stuck? Can anybody relate to that? Like, I, I, I'm stuck. I don't see a way out of this. God, a shift needs to happen. How many people know that God is a God who will bring a shift in our situation when things are needed, right? But how many also know that when we're stuck and we need a shift, there is also a danger in us mishandling a situation like that? Would you agree that to act on foolish impulsiveness, recklessness, or carelessness could be devastating or destructive for us as well. This is what I'm trying to tell you. There's a godly way to handle these kind of moments. There's a godly way to handle these kind of situations. The title of our message today, if you're taking notes, is Something Has to Break. Everybody say, Something Has to Break. So the, the first point that I want to make when you're in a situation like this is that you begin to realize when you survey the landscape of what's going on, something is off. Something's not right here. Now for Jonathan, I think what the obvious wrong things in the story are is that he looks around in all of the warriors of Israel, God's people. It says they're hiding in caves and in pits. It says that they are trembling with fear, and they are many of them fleeing from the battlefield, and the numbers of the army are dropping left and right. Now, Jonathan is a, is a guy who knows God's plan for Israel so he can look around in this story and, and see, God, something's not right here. Something's off in this situation. Your people are not meant to be pinned down 
trembling with fear and hiding in holes because an enemy is intimidating them. Does that make sense? So, and can I say it like this? God intends for you to have a heightened sense of spiritual discernment. God intends for you to be perceptible to the things that he's doing and the things the enemy is trying to do against you in your life. The Bible says that God will give us gifts, and one of those gifts is discernment, a spiritual, supernatural kind of discernment, and we are encouraged in Scripture to pray for that, to desire that. In fact, I pray today that God would dispense a measure of discernment to each and every one of us right now who are here. That we may be wise to the cunning tactics of the enemy in our lives. Anybody say amen to that? Jonathan looks around and says, something's not right here. One time, a number of years back, my brother went out fishing. We do a lot of fishing together. And he caught a bunch of fish that day. Had them in the live well. Going to clean them when he came home. He gets back and it's pouring and storming. And in haste, he throws the cover on his boat puts it in storage and moves on and just doesn't think anything about it. I want to say a week later, after hot, smoldering days, pulls the cover of that boat off, ready to go out for a normal fishing excursion. And let me tell you, the phrase, something smells fishy, took on a whole (laughs) new meaning. Rotting flesh with maggots everywhere, and oh, it was ab- rancid and horrible. And, I mean, you know, you step in, and you're like, you know, something's not right here. Something's a little bit off. And that's what Jonathan is doing. He's looking around. He he's not necessarily sure what what's going to come of this or how how exactly this thing's going to unfold. But there's a a holy divine prompting that begins to rise in him that says something's not right, something is off here, this is an ungodly kind of stuck, and something needs to be done. In fact, that's point number two, is we get to this place where we know something's not right, and something needs to be done. And so Jonathan's approach to this, for me, is remarkable and has absolutely impacted me in my life in the way I have handled many a situation. Because Jonathan, here's what he says. He says to his armor bearer, who's with him through thick and thin and follows him. You know, the whole Israelite army, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they sneak out of there. And they don't tell anybody they're going. And they go over to face this enemy by themselves head on because he says something needs to be done. And these guys are a bunch of cowards right now. I can't take that doubt with me. i got to go over here with faith. So he gets up and he goes out with his armor bearer. And he says to the armor bearer, he says, let's just go over here and see what God might do this day. Wow. Now, I got to tell you, I have found, and I pray that we all find this to be true. God will do a many of great things with a faith that will venture out 
into situations and encounter danger upon a let's go see what God might do this day kind of moment. Let's see. He says, God is able to deliver by many or by few. But I've had enough of this situation of the enemy pinning us down. We are stuck and a shift has got to happen. Let's go over here and let's just take a step. Let's put ourselves out there and let's just see what God is going to do about this situation because the thought of him not doing anything never even enters Jonathan's mind. He says, let's go see what he might do. Here's his plan. Are you ready? Here's the amazing plan that he comes up with. Verse 8, Jonathan said, Let us cross over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. And they will say to us, wait until we come to you. Or if they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and not go up to them. But if they say to us, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. Now, if I'm the armor bearer, I'm thinking, that's your, that's your plan? Go over there, and if they tell us to come up, we go up, and if they tell us to stay, we stay, and that's the sign that God's going to win the victory? Woo, I don't know, buddy. But you know, something's going on with Jonathan here. Something's happening, I'm convinced, between him and the Lord, and he's putting himself out there in faith. And and he can feel that God is meeting him in this place of faith, and God's going to do something about this situation. I just want to take a moment and point out a possibly overlooked and underappreciated part of this story. Can we thank God for the spirit of the armor bearer? You know, God appoints and anoints armor bearers in the body of Christ today. I pray that God would raise up an incredible army of armor bearers right now because he's raising up leaders in this house and we need armor bearers who are watching out because this is what an armor bearer would do. He'd go into battle with Jonathan and they'd fight the same battle, but the armor bearer would always watch Jonathan. He would always watch his flank in case something happened behind him that he couldn't see. And God puts armor bearers around others in the house of God who are called to lead so that they can watch their flank as well because we have an enemy who's out to devour us. Now I'm praying that God would raise up a generation of armor bearers this day. But this is his plan. It's not a perfect plan by any means. Would you agree with me on that? And I think often we want the perfect plan. We want the perfect will of God to just be roll out right to us. And sometimes God does it that way. I mean, when my wife met me for the first time, the Lord said, you will never meet another man like this. You need to marry this guy right now. Right? Can we just appreciate her obedience there? I mean... Yeah, yeah, Hey. Easy. We got security for situations like this. It's not a perfect plan. 
And I thought to myself many times when I've read this story, I love that Jonathan, he's, he's just getting himself out there. It's not A to Z. It's just, let's, let's get from A to B. <laughs> let's just take a step. Let's get over here. And then let's see what God does next because God's going to do something. I don't know what he's going to do exactly, but he's going to do something. And then something in this story really stood out to me. This is just a little tip for you when you're reading scripture that a lot of times you'll be reading a story or a series of verses and something seems like, and it's often to you in that moment, but it seems like it's out of place or like, well, that's weird that that was in there, right? And you catch that or you just notice that. A lot of times God's trying to draw your attention. The Holy Spirit's trying to draw your attention to something that he wants to open up and reveal to you. And that happened in this story recently for me in verse 3. Let's, let's read that again. It was the verse with all the crazy names. Akiah, the son of Akitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh, was wearing an aphod, and the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Does that seem strange to you? That's like, that almost seems a little, everything else around that is going in a direction, and what's that all about? So I dove into that. And here's what... God showed me. It specifically says that it was the priest who was wearing an ephod. What's an ephod? Well, it's a priestly garment. Moses was received, received instructions from God on what the priestly garment was to be. Part of that was an ephod, which was like a linen garment, and there was a breastplate that was attached to that, and there were precious stones for names of Israel, 12 stones that were on the breastplate, but something else was in there. There are these two things that are all historians and or scholars and theologians seem to agree on this point. That this is really a mysterious thing. It's hard to arrive at a definitive conclusion on what these two things that were in the breastplate were. They're called the umin and the tumin. Seemingly, there were two stones. There's no understanding of etymology of the stones, what kind of material they were, what they were. Even the process that was taken is a bit mysterious, but the priest with the aphod and the priestly garment would go in before the Lord and they would inquire of the Lord. They would consult with God for what his will was for his people. In fact, the kings later on would have the priests go in and inquire of the Lord for them. And when they would go in with the priestly garment, God would look on them, umin means light, and to me means perfection. Listen to this. The perfect will of God would be illuminated for them. And what God wanted the people to do would be revealed. And there are times where we see that kings inquired of the Lord and very specific plans were laid. In fact, one time David inquired of the Lord, this in 2 Samuel 5, about a battle with the Philistines. And God revealed his will. He said, go and attack from head on. Go right through and break through their forces head on. And I will be with you to win the victory. And they destroyed them in that battle that day. Very shortly after that, they mounted up for a second battle. And I love this. There's a lesson in this. It says that David again inquired of the Lord. Oftentimes, we would probably just go right back in the same way we did the last time, right? But David inquires of the Lord again. This is a new situation. This time, God says, circle around behind them. And when you hear the sound of marching angel armies in the mulberry trees, 
then you'll know it's time to attack, and you'll attack from the rear. So there was a linear strategy, and then there was a circular strategy. My point is, is that the perfect will of God is sometimes revealed and illuminated, but other times God is giving us some details. He's given us some knowns to look around in a situation and say, this not right, that's not right, something needs to be done. I trust that God is with me to deliver by many or by few. I'm going to step out in faith courageously, put myself out here, and we're going to see what God might do this day to bring a shift in this situation. Even now, in where we're at with this church, and, and we're growing and looking for space here in Waterloo. I'll, I'll tell you, there are multiple conversations, multiple locations, multiple things we're looking at, kind of just kicking tires, so to speak. I don't really know. We don't really know exactly what the next move is, but we fully believe that God is up to something. He's wanting to do something, so we're putting ourselves out there, and whatever that path is, once we're there, he's going to begin to reveal the next step to us. Proverbs says that the word of God, or Psalms, I say, is the word of God is like a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It illuminates the greater horizon, but many times it's shining a light on one step at a time. And I have found that most of my life has been lived that way. One step, God, I trust you. Where are you at in this? As if God's looking for our faith to show up. And be involved in the situation. He fully intends to move and act. But our faith, folks, if it doesn't show up, we might be overrun by an enemy. God is looking for people who will venture out far and let's just see what God might do this day moment. One more point I want to make about that ooming and the tooming before we move on. This is very important. This could be a whole message, but I, I want to make this point is that the Bible tells us that when we come into relationship with Christ, that we now actually become a holy priesthood. So as God was looking on the high priest in his priestly apparel, regalia, and he, would approve, he, was, he saw this as right, and then he would reveal what was on his mind about a particular subject to them for their good, we are now a part of a holy priesthood. Hebrews says that we can actually now come boldly to the throne of grace. James says, you need wisdom, ask for it. We have a God who gives it liberally to those who ask in faith. So I want to encourage you to seek, pursue, and ask of God what His will might be for your life and in any situation. But please, be prepared one, when you go, not to try to persuade God about a decision you've already made in your mind, but to be a blank slate, and two, to be prepared and ready to obey, as my wife did, whenever he reveals what the situation might be. All right. So, let's jump down to verse 11 and 12. Because this is getting awkward. And we will, she's looking at me like, you're, you're done, right? Okay. <laughs> Verse 11, 
So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. And then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you something. That's a taunt, right? Yeah, we'll show you something, buddy. Come on up here. Find out what we got for you. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. <laughs> love this guy. I love this guy. That's it. That's our sign. Let's go. Uh, now, here's the other thing you got to appreciate. The cliffs. Moses didn't say now. The cliffs. One means rocky, and one means, or one means slippery, and one means thorny. And I've been to this, cat, this ravine in Israel. I've seen the, where these cliffs were. They're straight up. And they climbed up, it says, on their hands and feet. Do you understand here? God's already involved in the situation. Miraculously, they're scaling these slippery, thorny cliffs on their hands and feet. And these Philistines are up there waiting for them. And here's what happens whenever they get there. We move into verse 13. And Jonathan, uh, 14, and that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about half an acre. Listen to this. And then there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all of the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked so that it was a very Great trembling. Do you see the shift? Here's the shift. First of all, God's shaking the earth. <laughs> An earthquake is happening. But that's not the only thing that's trembling. Now, instead of God's people trembling, now the enemy is trembling. Do you see the shift that has now happened in the situation? A little bit before, the enemy had the upper hand. But now somebody in faith is moving. God is there showing up. And now all of a sudden, the enemy is like, oh my gosh, we just woke a sleeping giant. Tell you something, the devil's not afraid of you, but he is very afraid of the God who is in you. When you show up in faith, the tables begin to turn, baby. The enemy knows that darkness cannot stand against light. And he begins to flee and tremble when we rise up in authority as the people who God has created us to be. The shift is now beginning to happen. That's point number three. The last one, if you're taking notes, is that a shift occurs. A shift from a seemingly imperfect plan. But God shows up. And we think many times, I, I want to know the whole perfect will. I want the whole thing downloaded to me. Let me ask you a question. Really? Really? Because even the perfect will and plan requires a whole lot of faith. You say, what do you mean by that? March around the city seven days. And on the seventh day, do it seven times and then scream and shout and yell. I mean, that takes a lot of faith. Do you agree with me? Faith is required at every juncture. Our faith has to show up. 
You need a shift in your situation. You feel stuck, an ungodly kind of stuck. You're pinned down. The enemy's surrounded you. You know something's not right. You're pointing things out that don't belong left and right. Time for your faith to rise up. I suggest perhaps maybe it's time for you to have a let's just see what God might do this day kind of moment. And put yourself out there because I've found we serve a God who's so good. He's so good that when our heart is right and pure before him, let me tell you how much I trust him. When I jump out there to the next step to see what God's going to do, if my heart is right, and that's the key, but I trust him so much that if I miss the mark a little bit, that he'll have like guardrails to bring me right back on track where I need to be and he won't let me fall off the cliff. That's how much I trust him. He's really good like that. You can put yourself out there. You got, your heart's got to be right. Pure motives, no selfish intentions, serve God, build his kingdom, it's what his will is. But many times, we got to venture out. Our faith has to be active. It's got to be applied to the situation. And I know that God will do the same for you and I that he's doing in this situation. He can deliver by many or he can deliver by you. And the shift begins to occur. Let's read on. I think it's in verse 20 here. Yeah, verse 20. And then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled, and they went to the battle, and indeed every man's sword was against his neighbor. So they're killing each other. And there was great confusion. They're confused. They don't even know what's going on. Moreover, the Hebrews, I love this, who were with the Philistines before that time, uh, went up with them into the camp and the surrounding country. They also joined the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard the Philistines flee, they also followed hard after them in battle. You're pretty brave now, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, I can just picture them, like their heads popping up out of the cave, you know, like a turtle head, like, oh, what's going on? I hear something. Oh, we're winning. Oh. But what I see in that is that the, the action that Jonathan took, the shift occurred, and now all of a sudden an environment of faith is exploding all over this place. You see that? Don't underestimate when you step out for God and your faith is on the line and God shows up. Do not underestimate how much other people's faith will be persuaded and inspired by that as well. Because God's on the scene, and God's doing something. It's not that they're looking at you. It's look, they're looking at the God who's moving and working through you. And that will help to elevate the faith in an entire environment. Right? There are times when Jesus walked in and he said, get everybody out of the room before I do the miracle. Why? It's not because Jesus couldn't do a miracle with 100 doubters in the room. It's because Jesus wanted to show us we needed an environment of faith around us. Understand that? And our faith will help to bring rise to that as we step out and venture in the cause of God for the great things that we want to see him do. This last verse right here, verse 23. It says, the Lord saved Israel that day, here we go, and the battle, everybody say this together, shifted. The battle shifted. You see, now this place, this territory that the Philistines were occupying, possessing, if you will, that wasn't theirs to possess, it was God's people's land, 
God has promises for you. The enemy's trying to rob from you and take from you right now and possess from you so that you don't have them. When this shift occurred, the enemy was moved right out of that area. And God's people moved right in. And they now occupied and possessed territory promises that were rightfully theirs. But I love this point. He says the battle shifted. It says it shifted to Beth Aven, which is another location. Which means that the war isn't over. There's going to be another battle. And as long as we're here in this earth, there are going to be a lot of battles. Because the enemy is never going to stop trying. But the shift has happened, and the battle has moved on to another front. This is what that represents. As we live in faith like this, we take more and more and more of the territory that rightfully belongs to us. And we occupy and possess those promises. And then we continue to move the enemy back and back and back and out of our lives. He's the one that needs to be on his heels, not us. That's the shift that really happened. God's people were on their heels and pinned down. But after this moment of courageous faith and everything shifted, guess what? Now, now the enemy is on his heels. And he's the one that's retreating back. And God's people are the one who are advancing. This is the truth of the story, right? In our lives, this is the picture. There's this constant tension, always, in this life, between God's destiny for you advancing and the resistance of an enemy to stop it. I would encourage you today, lay hold of it. Go get it. Seize it. God is with you, and he is able to deliver by many or by few not by your might or strength, but by his spirit, we will accomplish victory after victory after victory. And to God be the glory. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me today? Have you been encouraged in this message this morning? If you say, Pastor, I feel like I need a shift. Something's got to break. Something's got to give. I am not okay with things continuing to remain and be as they are. Something smells fishy. Before we go today, I'd like to just have an opportunity for each and every one of us Let's just talk to Jesus because he wants to talk to you. Just bow your head and close your eyes right now. God, would you speak to us? Would you just reveal whatever measure of your will, God, that's appropriate and right for you to reveal to us? I pray that you would do that right now to hearts who are seeking. But also, God, I pray that you would impart to us a measure of faith, that our faith would be increased and strengthened and emboldened, that we would be a people willing and prepared to have. Let's just see 
what God might do this day. Moments again and again and again in our lives. Let's just talk to Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Speak to us now. I feel it in this room. Holy Spirit, Because when you have your way, something has to break. Tear down every lie. Set the wrong thing right. Because when you have your way, Something has to break, something has to break, something has to break, right now in your name. Something has to break, something has to break, something has to break, right now in your name. Something has to break. I believe you lead me through it. I believe you'll get me to it. I believe that you will do it right now. If something has to break. I believe you lead me through it. I believe you'll get me to it. I believe that you will do it right now. Come on. If something has to break. I believe you lead me through it. I believe you'll get me to it. I believe that you will do it right now. But something has to break. I believe you'll lead me through it. I believe you'll get me to it. I believe that you will do it right now. Something has to break. Hallelujah. Something has to break. Yes. Yes. Something has to bring. Hallelujah. Something has yes. to bring in your name. Yes, you're a beautiful place. Lord. In your presence. Hallelujah. Break off chains today, God. Set people free. In Jesus' name. Let there be healing in this house. Right now, right now, people's bodies and people's minds. In Jesus' name. Something has to breathe. We thank you, God. You are holy. Something holy, God, and there is none like breathe. you. You are so good. I believe you deserve all the honor and glory that we can I give you with our lives. Yes. I believe, I believe, I believe right now, I believe it has to breathe. Yeah. Believe that you will do it right now. 
something has to break. I believe you'll lead me through it. I believe you'll get me to it. I believe that you will do it right now. Come on, something has to break. I believe you'll lead me through it. I believe you'll get me to it. I believe that you will do it right now. Cause something has to break in your name. Something has to break. I believe, I believe, I believe, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God in this place today. I encourage you, go and seek the Lord. Ask and you will receive. Knock and it will be opened. Seek and you will find. You know, Saul was guilty of never consulting the Lord in this battle. He never asked the priest to seek the will of God. What situation are you going through right now? What things are you dealing with, perhaps, that you have not invited God into? And you are not prepared, have not been prepared to respond to whatever it is He's telling you. If you heard something today, if you felt the Lord speak to you, I can't encourage you enough. Obey. Respond. And watch and see what the Lord just might do. Amen. Amen. God bless you. May you go in the peace and favor of the Lord. May his countenance be upon you. May the Lord bless you. May he be gracious to you. And may he give you peace. God bless you and have a wonderful day.